What's up, baptism? First birthday celebration. Praise God. I got that one. I do know how to click the red button. So anyways, hey, man, good morning, City Light Lincoln Church. Happy first birthday. You guys uh, are incredible. Man, um, my name is Austin. I'm one of the pastors here, and I hope you grabbed a cupcake because we have like 800 of them, or they might be gone. I don't know. Uh, and you've got a seat, or you've got a sweet spot on the floor, and that's a story to tell. I don't know. By the way, we have 100 extra chairs in the room than what we normally have, so this is nuts. Jesus is awesome, and uh, just so cool. Um, man, this morning uh, is going to be in- incredible. It already has been. The last two gatherings have been so, so sweet, and I'm so excited uh, to see just what happens. Uh, through the course of this morning, the three gatherings, we're going to baptize almost 50 people, which is crazy. Yeah, we can celebrate that. Um, you're going uh, to hear three testimonies, three stories of, of Jesus changing people's lives and calling them to himself, and it's just going to be incredible. And I feel like every baptism uh, that we have is a tangible sign, a visible sign that Jesus isn't done saving sinners. Amen? Like every, every baptism is a sign that Jesus isn't done restoring marriages and calling college students and young adults and, and, and married people and empty nesters to himself. He's not done calling kids to himself at a young age and doing some incredible work. I know that Jesus isn't done reviving and, and calling and resurrecting dead hearts, and it's just amazing to see. He's not done. And I I know that this is just scratching the surface of what Jesus wants to do here in Lincoln and beyond. And so uh, it's a privilege to be here this morning. My simple goal this morning in our short time we've got is to, uh, is to basically show all of us that everything we need is in Jesus. Okay, really simple goal, but that's what I want to accomplish this morning. So let me start with this. Um, have, you ever, um, have you ever thought of what it would be like if Satan took over control of our city? I know it's a super weird question, right? But just track with me. Like, what would it be like if Satan just took full control of our city or he was allowed control over our city? I know for me, the first thing that comes to mind is chaos, right? I'm thinking like uh, cars are flipped over, uh, buildings are being broken into, there's fire everywhere, like people are running scared. I mean, I think of um, uh, just like domestic abuse would go so high, uh, adultery would run rampant, like it would just be pure chaos, right? I just picture like crazy. So what, what do you think? Like, is that similar thought of just craziness? Um, well, Donald Barnhouse is a pastor and a theologian, and he passed away in the 60s, but this is what he said. If Satan took over my city, all the bars would be closed, pornography banished, pristine streets filled with tidy pedestrians smiling at each other, there would be no swearing, Children would politely respond, yes, sir, or no, man, uh, no, ma'am. Churches would be packed on Sunday, but the name of Jesus would never be preached. Is that profound to think about? Uh, it's just crazy, right? And so church, don't be fooled. Satan loves when you and I follow rules. He just doesn't like when we follow Jesus, right? Like that's the difference. Satan loves the idea of, uh, of country club Christianity where good people get together every Sunday for an hour, talk about how good they are and five ways to get even better. And sadly, I feel like most people think that this is what Christianity is about, right? Here's a set of rules and some things to do to earn right standing with God and get into heaven. And that couldn't be farther from the truth, right? It couldn't be farther from the truth. And let me, so let me be clear about this. The church isn't a place where good people uh, marvel at how good they are, right? The church is a place where broken people marvel at how good Jesus is, 
right? Would that mark City Light Lincoln Church? Would that mark all the churches in the city to say, no, we're not good people coming together and celebrating how good we are. We're broken people celebrating how good Jesus is. And when Mo and I quit our jobs a year and a half ago, uh, we didn't do it so that we could make good people a little bit better, right? We quit our jobs, came here, planted this church, prayed for it so that we could deliver the message that Jesus Christ alone can take spiritually dead hearts and bring them to life, right? We pray deeply, Jesus, would you be made famous? Jesus, would you be exalted? Jesus, would you be the one remembered in our city for all of our efforts? We pray that there wouldn't be one Sunday in City Light Lincoln Church history that the gospel isn't explicitly proclaimed, the good news of Jesus, right? Every single Sunday, you're going to hear the gospel preached. This city doesn't need more social clubs, Lincoln, Nebraska needs hundreds of more churches that are solely committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus that he alone can save broken sinners, right? And so the question is, why do we do this, right? You think, Austin, no, why, Ricky, why are you guys so committed to, to preaching this, this message of Jesus alone? Um, and, and well, in Acts 4.12, the verse that we just read, it says, and there is salvation in no one else, right? For there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved, So we are so explicitly committed to preaching Jesus alone because he alone has the power to save, right? It's not your good works. It's not your strong-willed effort or your self-improvement. It's not your church attendance card or your religious accomplishments or your daily prayers. The Bible is clear that it is by faith alone and Jesus alone that we can be saved, right? That it's clear about that. In Acts 4.12, this verse that we just read was originally spoken to religious leaders, Okay, so this verse was spoken to people who, culturally, we would say, like, that's a really good person. Like, they're a great rule follower, and, and, and this verse is being spoken to them. And so just before uh, this proclamation that salvation is in Jesus alone, two guys named John and Peter uh, heal a man that was crippled. And this crippled man was constantly begging, and now people see him healed, and they're wondering, what the heck just happened? Well, John and Peter take advantage of the moment and say, no, we're going to be clear. It's Jesus that healed this man. It's faith in Jesus that healed this man. And, uh, and then uh, they're, they're not happy about it, so they literally get arrested. Peter and John get arrested. But uh, the religious leaders come on the scene, and they're like, we don't like this Jesus message. And in Acts 4, verse 2, it says the religious leaders were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They go on to arrest John and Peter, but because of their preaching of the gospel, 5,000 people get saved. Okay, and I know we're like excited, and that's awesome that 50 people are getting baptized, and Jesus is saving people. This is a drop in the ocean, right? Like, Jesus has been saving people in the masses and redeeming people since the beginning of time. This is his work that he does. It's nothing new to God. This is normal in a gospel community. And so, it says that these religious leaders were annoyed by the message of Jesus, right? So we've got to answer the question, well, why were they annoyed? Like, why don't people like the message of Jesus alone? Uh, It seems like a good message, right? It's like, hey, you can stop working. Finally, you don't have to work hard. Like, just just place your faith in Jesus. You don't have to earn salvation or be worried about it. Like, you can just be sure about trusting in Jesus. Why don't we like that message? I think there's two reasons. And the first one is that we, we don't like the message. We don't like the reality that we can't save ourselves, okay? We don't like that we can't save ourselves. And so we're the American dream culture, right? Where if you can dream it, then you can surely do it. We're the culture that loves uh, uh, working hard and earning a spot and defying the odds and achieving your dreams. But the good news of Jesus comes with bad news. Namely, you can't save yourself, 
right? It's so clear about that. And there's a, that's, there's a problem because we love making ourselves the hero, don't we? Like, um, uh, but the Bible is unapologetic about the fact that you and I are broken beyond our ability to repair, okay? All of us are. There's a standard that God has laid out, and all of us have failed to meet it miserably, right? Every single one of us in the room has sinned, fallen short, uh, disobeyed God's perfect and good commands, and Romans 6 says the payment for that sin is death, okay? And then Ephesians 2 says that apart from Jesus, you and I are dead in our trespasses and sin. Our natural disposition we're born into is sin and rebellion. So let me put it like this. Through your, or though your physical heart is beating, uh, your spiritual heart has flatlined since birth. That's what we're born into, death, right? Like, because of our sin. We've all sinned, and the punishment is eternal separation from God in hell. That's bad news, right? We're like, don't, I don't really know if I want to amen that, Austin. Like, I, don't, I just don't like that message. Like, talk about the cool stuff again. Yeah, I don't know. But it's a reality. And so here, here's, here's the, the response to that. That means that we can't look at each other and say, I'm a pretty good person. So I think I'm probably pretty good with God. That means that it, we can't look at each other and say, well, I haven't really messed up too bad. I haven't done too many bad things, so I'm probably good with God, right? No, we're all spiritually dead apart from Christ, and we cannot save ourselves. And Acts 4.12 makes it clear that the only way to be saved from our sin is through Jesus, not working hard or fixing ourselves up, but faith in Jesus. So here's the bad news. Ready for it? You can't save yourself. But here's the good news. You don't need to right? Jesus alone is able to save you. So that's the first reason. We don't like the message we can't save ourselves. The second thing is, the other reason we don't like this message is because we want a bigger role to play. We want a bigger role to play. Our hearts are naturally resistant towards grace because it puts an end to all earning and all merit, right? That means that, so simply put, because you were saved by Jesus's grace means that you did nothing to earn it, therefore you can't boast about it or move up in the ranks. It's just a pure gift from God. Now, I, I don't know how many of you in the room like math, but here's the most important qu- equation you'll ever learn. You ready for it? Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? That's so simple. I, even I can understand that, right? Like, like it, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus alone is all we need. So when we stand before God at the end of our lives, uh, we won't uh, bring him our resume, our church attendance card, or our, the list of all the things we've done, or our Bible that's highlighted with all these different color highlighters, right? Like, no, we will stand before the Father, point to Jesus, and say, he did for me what I could never do for myself. That's the gospel. That's our confidence. But, but here's one of our biggest struggles, addition, Right? Like, we, we try to add to Jesus' already finished work. Jesus plus our improvement equals everything. Jesus plus our good works equals everything. Jesus plus being a good person equals everything. Again, we want a bigger role to play than simply being a recipient of grace. Right? We want a bigger role to play than just being a recipient of God's grace. And so we try to add to his work by thinking that we did something to earn salvation. We try to add to his work when you and I think, yeah, Jesus secured my, uh, or he, he put me in right standing before God, but now it's on me to be good enough, strong enough, committed enough to keep myself in approval with God. No, Jesus did all of the work for your salvation. There's nothing left to do. That's the good news of the gospel. He was born 2,000 years ago. Never sinned, was perfect and spotless and right standing before the Father. And at the end of his life, he was hung on a sinner's cross, openly humiliated and died. But three days later, Jesus rose again, defeating death, sin, and Satan. And, uh, but on that cross, Jesus paid for your sin, 
right? Like the sin you committed in your past, the sin you'll commit today, and the sin you'll commit forever for the rest of your life, right? Like Jesus paid it all. And he took all of it, knowing all of the expanse of it. There's a lot of sin represented in this room, right? All, he took it all, knowing all of that, and he resurrected, proving that the payment had cleared. Jesus really is the Son of God that came to seek and save the lost. Acts 4.12 says that there is salvation in no one else. In other words, just in case you were wondering, that means that Buddha can't save you. Allah can't save you. Joseph Smith can't save you. Your good works can't save you. The Pope doesn't have the power to forgive your sins. Your good works don't have the power to give you right standing before God. Jesus is the only one that can forgive your sins. Why? Because he's the only one that paid for your sins. Amen? Jesus is the only one that can uh, breathe life into your dead heart because he's the only one that rose from the dead, right? Jesus is the only one to resurrect dead souls because he's the only one to resurrect. Jesus alone did that. No one else. He alone can save. My wife and I got to spend a month in Thailand a couple years ago, and I got to have this awesome conversation with a brilliant Buddhist man. And through our conversation about world religions, he is kind of some some total of all the religions he studied of every world, major world religion, is, is the implication to be a better person. So if you're going to sum up what's the what's all the religions of the world about, he would say one thing, being a better person. Okay? And so he went to explain that Buddhism promotes people to be peaceful. Judaism promotes people to trust God. Islam promotes people to diligence. And Christianity promotes people to love your neighbor, right? And I told him, man, you're brilliant, but you are mistaken on the message of Christianity. See, every other religion in the world can be summed up by one word, do. Okay? But Christianity can be summed up by a different word, done. Right? That's the difference between good advice and good news, right? We have a a good news Jesus, a good news message, not a good advice, not all these implications, just good news. And, and And I want to explain, just like he said, every religion presents God at the top of this mountain and gives you a set of rules to make your way up to the top. Right? So, hey, uh, here's, here's, the, here's the good advice. Be a good person. Uh, 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 read hard. Um, attain a certain level of peace. And go do these five non-negotiable things, and you'll have right standing with God. That's all you need to do. Just go do those things and do them perfectly. So here's how to climb up the mountain. That's the message of all those religions. But here's the message of Christianity. God isn't waiting at the top of the mountain watching us try to claw our way up to the top because it's impossible. We can't make it. And some of you may be better than me, and you may climb up farther, but congratulations, you're still dead in your sin, right? It doesn't matter. We can't make it up the mountain because of our sin. But God didn't stay up there and just watch us. He came down the mountain. He rushed down to his filthy, broken, uh, uh, rebellious creation and gave himself. That's what Jesus did. He didn't just wait with his arms crossed, disappointed in us, leaving us in our hopeless situation. He ran to us, entered our hopelessness, and gave himself. Isn't that amazing news? And by the way, church, he didn't do this when he was impressed with you right? Like you didn't do this when you were doing a really good job and really amazing him. No. Romans 5.8 says that for while we were getting better, while we were really improving, while our commitment really went up and we didn't miss church for a whole month, no, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of God. That's the gospel. That's the difference between every other religion and Christianity, the message of Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything right? And so hear this, 
Because Jesus has done everything to secure your salvation and right standing before God, there is nothing for you and I left to do, right, to gain God's approval besides place our faith in Jesus, that he's already done it all. You get that do versus done, the good news versus the good advice. And so for those of you in the room that haven't trusted Jesus for salvation, and I know there are people, probably a good amount of people, right? They're always, it feels like there always is. It's amazing. There are people in the room that haven't trusted in Jesus yet. Would you make that decision to follow him, to place your faith in Jesus alone for salvation? And, and by the way, let me just be clear about this. The invitation to Christianity isn't an invitation to spruce up your resume. It's an invitation to rip it up and trust in Jesus' goodness on your behalf. Amen? The invitation to Christianity isn't to commit to being strong enough, but to admit that you're weak and that Jesus is strong. The invitation to Christianity isn't coming to grips with all the things you need to do. The invitation is to accept that Jesus has done it all for you. That's the good news of the gospel. And so would you do that this morning? Whatever you're trusting in to save your soul for eternal life, whatever it is, it will not work unless it's Jesus. Can I be so lovingly honest with you and just say all of those things have holes in them? It won't work. Jesus is the only way to be saved. And he's inviting you this morning to place your faith in him for free. You don't have to fix yourself up or come up next week just to make sure that it happened. No, he's inviting you to say, place your faith in me and I will transform your world. The stories you're about to hear, there's three people that are coming up to share, and these are real lives that have been changed by the real Jesus, right? It's going to be amazing and authentic and real, and so celebrate with them, cheer them on, get them hyped up as they come and communicate what the gospel has done, what Jesus has done in their hearts. And just to be clear, the people getting baptized today, uh, that doesn't make God love them more, by the way, if I can just be clear. It's not or Jesus plus baptism equals everything. No, baptism is simply an outward sign of what God has already done in their hearts, right? So when we put them in the water and we dunk them in the water, uh, that's just simply showing that their old sinful self has died when they place their faith in Jesus. And when we pull them out of the water, it's representing that Jesus has washed them clean. That he's washed your sin and declared you righteous before God. You're clean. And then as you come up, you're a new creation. That's what it's symbolizing and representing. And so, uh, man, church, I, I want us to celebrate and go wild, go nuts as they come out of the water. Because we're celebrating with all of heaven that God has called people to himself. And so, City Light, here's our commitment. For as long as Jesus enables us to exist as a church, here's our commitment. We will never stop preaching the gospel of Jesus alone. Because we are utterly convinced that he is the only one that has the power to save sinners, to set free addicts, and to sustain his redeemed children. Amen? Christ is all we preach because Christ is all we have. Let's pray together.